You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our Twitter handles as well, BrianCatNFL and Fanatic underscore pick. It's the Dolphins bye week, so we're going to do something a little bit different this week because, let's face it, uh, Paul and I have one eye on the offseason right now, and you probably do too. It doesn't mean that the Dolphins can't win a few games. It doesn't mean that we can't see some positives here in this season. But let's face it, the Dolphins are 0-4, and we kind of know where this thing is headed and where where it could be headed in 2020 and beyond. So Paul and I have taken a look at the unrestricted free agent market in 2020, and we've each compiled a list of 10 players that have really caught our eye as really our top 10 guys at this point. This doesn't mean right now that these players are going to hit the market. They're, they could very well be re-signed. In fact, probably half of them are going to be re-signed. But when we look at the Dolphins' needs and we look at who's out there, these are the 10 that we really focused on. And, Paul, when you take a look at the Dolphins and where they, they should be here after the 2020 season, we expect Ryan Fitzpatrick and Rashad Jones to probably get the ax after the year. You know, they're on the wrong side of 30. Quite possibly Daniel Kilgore and Albert Wilson, depending on how they do the rest of the year, could get axed too. And now we're talking about the Dolphins being somewhere around that $150 million mark in terms of cap room. That's really getting close to the point where it's just FU type of money. It really is. I mean, when you look at that, it's, I mean, I've, I've talked about this a little bit. I know you've talked about this a little bit. It's really amazing what Chris Greer has managed to do from a front office standpoint. I know a lot of people are upset with him because of the roster, the way it is now. I don't really care. You know, be upset with him if you want, but look at the long-term vision instead of the short-term vision. And you can see he's built this to be able to go after anything he wants and make a, a play for it, whether it's via trade, 
which I expect there to be a couple of those, whether it's via free agency, whether it's via the draft. Um, it, it, it's utterly amazing the way that in one off season of truly being in charge, Chris Greer has set this up to be able to do anything he wants within reason. Yeah, and when you look at the contracts that the Dolphins have rid themselves of, you know, the Kiko Alonzos, the TJ McDonald's, DeAndre Branches, these types of players, that's why the Dolphins have amassed all of this money. And, yeah, they, they don't have a talented roster, and they don't have a lot of players to re-sign, and that's why they're able to take a look at this free agent market to, that should be pretty stacked unless you start to see the vast majority of these players re-signed. And to draw a comparison, you take a look at the Jets last year, and they had over right over $100 million in cap room. They didn't spend all of it, but they were able just to go out and pluck three players off the market. Running back Le'Veon Bell, four years, $52.5 million, 35 mil guaranteed. C.J. Mosley, five years, $85 million, $51 million guaranteed. Jamison Crowder, three years, $28 million with $17 million guaranteed. They also re-signed Henry Anderson, three years, $25.5 million with $17 million guaranteed. Also signed a few players like Trevor Simeon, like Brian Poole. You know, so th- they're able to really, they were able to really grab several cornerstones and just plop them right on their team. Uh, but I hope the Dolphins don't end up doing what the Jets did, which was sign a running back and a linebacker that doesn't rush the quarterback. No, I mean, Miami definitely needs to add some some pass rush. I mean, I, I, I will tell you, I do have at least one running back on my list. But again, it's I know, and you're probably going to talk about this a little bit here, Miami's building for the future. You don't do that by, by signing old, decrepit, um, Mike Tannenbaum-style players who their prime is behind them. So really – what I'm looking for from Miami and free agency is to build play or to grab cornerstone stone players that you can build around. That will be part of this for the long term. You're not trying to get this 33, 34, 36 year old player to come in and be your now guy. You're trying to get them to be the now and future guy. And you don't get that by going after players that I hate to use the term over the hill because I'm still talking younger than me, but you get those type of players by signing them at the start of their prime in the midst of their prime. Uh, and you pepper in occasionally some serviceable vets that can help get those guys over the hump. Yeah. Well, I hate to break it to you, Paul, but pretty much everybody in the league is younger than you and younger than me at this point. So we're talking about signing. I'm, I'm younger than you and I'm 36. So if the dolphins try to sign a 36 year old, we're going to have problems. And with that, taking a look at – before we get into the free agents, we have two r- major rules when it comes to looking at this. We did not include anybody who is going to be 30 years old after the or, – or, excuse me, in week one of the 2020 season. That doesn't mean that the Dolphins aren't going to sign somebody that's 30 years old. In fact, they probably will. They'll probably sign a few of those players along the way. But – you know, we're looking at cornerstone type of pieces uh, at pass rush, at offensive line, wherever the case may be, and we'll get into that. Secondly, we did not include two players, quarterback Dak Prescott or defensive end Jadavian Clowney. Dak Prescott, if you look at the last two games, has not really lived up to 
the expectations that he set in the first three games, but still a player that is probably going to get paid a lot of money by the Dallas Cowboys. I can't see them just letting him walk, but that's not a direction the Dolphins are going to go down anyway. Their next quarterback is going to be, if it's not Josh Rosen, it's going to be uh, a, a rookie first rounder that they build around. And secondly, Jadavian Clowney has already made his feelings known. I can't see him turning around one year later and saying, okay, I want to be part of what the Dolphins are doing now. It's very, very unlikely to happen. He's probably going to resign with the Seattle Seahawks. So with that, Paul, taking a look at your top 10 list, who came in at number 10 for you? So number 10, I already broke a couple rules with, and this, this is probably my most rule breaking. Oh God. Um, number here i know you know me like okay we got all these rules let's 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 change it up for me it's an either or scenario um i do expect that miami's going to try to get their future left tackle in the draft but you can't wait around and hope that that's how the board falls for you given the fact that we don't for sure know miami will have the number one overall pick they might have to trade up um and really, depending on how the board falls, the guy that they want for left tackle may not be there and available. And given the fact that Josh Rosen or a rookie is going to be the signal caller in 2020, you've got to make sure you protect his blind side. So looking at that, my either or, and it's kind of a 10A, 10B, is I want to see them go out and sign either Beecham or Costanzo. Have somebody that can come in and be the guy. They're not going to be the most expensive players on the market at the position. They're not going to set any type of ridiculous premium. You've got the cap space. Make sure you have a left tackle so you're not having to throw rookie guards over there and, you know, right guards to left tackle and all kinds of silly nonsense like we've seen so far this year. Shore up the position so you know that it's at least solid in 2020 even if not spectacular and then try to knock it out of the park with the draft if the right guy falls to you so uh so when i messaged you before i said uh top 10 and nobody over 30 and already you've broken two rules here so that's right all right fine all right great uh so we'll so we'll uh, uh hopefully that's the only guy on your list over th- over 30 and and my understanding it is, is I, I will i will say it is and he's my 10b with with uh, Beecham, Costanzo was my 10A, but honestly, it's it's either or. They still have some good years in front of them, if not spectacular. And at worst, you end up with somebody that ends up slotting in as a backup that can that can truly play that left tackle position if you get that rookie that overtakes at the spot. Yeah, Costanzo is a former first round pick. I mean, he can at least you know, keep his finger in the dam for a year that, you know, that's for sure. I mean, Kelvin Beecham, I think with the Jets is not a player I'd probably want on the team, but he's better than Jamarcus Webb. So at least he's got that going for him. So at number 10 for me, I've got, I also have an offensive tackle. I went with uh, DJ Humphreys from the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, this is a player that has missed a lot of time since being a first round pick in 2015 of the Cardinals. He missed, got just taking a look at, he missed 11 games in 2017. He missed seven in 2018, but he's back. And when he's actually on the field, he's a good left tackle. He's not great. He's, he's not Laramie Tunzel, but I, I think he could get docked a little bit more 
for his injury history. But this is a player that's still 25 years old now. He'll be 26 in week one of the 2020 season. And Josh Rosen really felt it when he went down for the year back in 2018 in his rookie year. Ninth on my list is going to be DJ Reader, the nose tackle from the Houston Texans. He can play nose tackle. He can play defensive end in a three-man front. Now, this isn't a huge need for the Dolphins, but I'm interested right now in collecting good football players. And if you have Reader, Davin Gotcha, and Christian Wilkins on your defensive line for the next five to six years, I don't think you have to invest a lot at the position. I think you can even get better against the run. I mean, he's 6'4", 347 pounds, has 42 career starts at just 25 years old now. So a player that I don't know if the Texans, with all the money they're throwing around, he's, he may be a player that they just are, are not going to be able to resign at this time. So who's, who comes in at number nine and number eight for you, Paul? And God, it better not be a player over 30. So Peyton Manning, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist on that one. Now, for me at number nine, it, it's very much a scenario where Mike Gesicki has all the tools, and this doesn't cancel Mike Gesicki out. But, well, I won't even say all the tools because the man can't block. Um, you know, Jonathan Martin at least could block people on Twitter. Um, I don't think Gesicki could even do that. But really – we need a tight end that produces. I'm so sick and tired of not having a tight end that produces. I, your entire offense changes dimensions when you have one that, that can just do their job out on the field. And you look at Austin Hooper from, from the Falcons. I mean, he's got good size for the position, but the fact that he's already got 34 catches for 300-plus yards this year, he had the two-touchdown game against the Colts. He hasn't gotten in the end zone as much, but – he's at least moving the chains from the tight end position. He has multi-catch games in every game. And I know our listeners are going to throw comments out there that, oh, Gesicki's been open at times and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Even when they throw his way, there really hasn't been production uh, thus far. So get open all you want. The defenses don't view you as a threat. The quarterback doesn't view you as a threat. You're not a damn threat. Get Austin Hooper out there. Get get some real competition for Gesicki and make him basically put up or shut up at this point. If Gesicki produces, great. You've got two very productive tight ends at that point in time. I'm fine with that. But, yeah, Austin Hooper clocks yeah. at number nine for me. Got it. And who's, <laughs> who comes in at number eight for you? At number eight, Kyler Fackrell, the linebacker from the Packers, uh, he just screams Brian Flores. He screams Patrick Graham. And, and I know Graham's got a little familiarity with him. And and really, he's an ascending player at a position that, you know, we, we talk week in and week out that as much as we like Jerome Baker, um, as much as we like Aguavion, they're not getting production out of those two. Rake McMillan's producing at least. Let's get somebody productive in to, to, to pair up back there. And, and Kyler Fackrell won't cost you an arm and a leg. You've still got room to go after, you know, the top seven on my list. Yeah, I, I Fackrell somebody that Patrick Graham is very familiar with. I, I could see him getting into the fold and, yeah, maybe not costing all, all that much. Could be a, a tier two type of guy, too. 
if they really swing for the fences, the number eight guy on my list is Dante Fowler Jr. He rejuvenated his career with the Rams after having a real bust of a career with the Jaguars. You know, he's he's six four, two hundred and sixty pounds. You know, he he resigned a, a one year, thirteen million dollar contract this past year. You know, does he have the versatility and scheme flexibility? to play for Brian Flores and Patrick Graham. That's my question. But at this point, when I see how little the Dolphins are getting after the quarterback, I'm just starting to think, man, who cares at this point? <laughs> just pay money and get after the quarterback. So we'll see about that. Uh, number seven on my list is cornerback James Bradbury from the Panthers. This is a player that's six one, two 212 pounds, very physical, and I think could make a great running mate with opposite Xavier Howard. I mean, at just 26 years old, he started 51 career games. He's been solid across the board. And when we look at what Eric Rowe has produced on the other side so far, solid across the board is something I'll take every day of the week. And with Brian Flores' defense, he's going to continue to stockpile defensive backs as we continue to go along. And before we do that, he needs to get a solid number two guy opposite Xavier Howard. So who's next on your list there, Paul? Next up for me, especially with you talking pass rush, Yannick Ngukwe. It's, I'm pretty sure, and I, I apologize, I didn't look this up ahead of time. I don't think I really need to. But I'm pretty sure he has more career sacks at this point, even being since 2016, than the entirety of the Dolphins' defensive line. and And that says a lot right there. Miami needs to improve their pass rush. And the only reason that Ngukwe is this low on my list is the fact that I think Miami will be afforded the opportunity to do so via the draft as well. Yeah, he has 29 and a half sacks in his first three NFL seasons. I mean, you and I probably have more sacks than the Dolphins do in the last couple of years too. So it's not it's not saying a whole heck of a lot. And Ngakwe is going to be a little bit higher on my list. Not, not too much higher though. So I'm, that's definitely the first guy that that uh, we've agreed on here as far as our list so far. But that, that's why we're doing this, because we did not share our list beforehand. So number six on my list is going to be Joe Tooney from the Patriots. The, Joe Tooney is a player I like a whole heck of a lot coming out of college. He's been rock solid at that left guard spot. The only player in NFL history for to be a starter on a team that went to the Super Bowl in a, their first three NFL seasons. I'm not saying it's specifically because of Joe Tooney, but this is a player that constantly grades out as an above-average football player. He's not the greatest athlete, but certainly uh, isn't terrible athletically either. Equally good run blocking and pass blocking. And I think if you take Joe Tooney and you, you plug him in at left guard, now you can possibly slide Michael Dieter to center or to right guard. But either way, the Dolphins need to come out of this free agency with at least one really good offensive lineman, if not two. And actually, I hope they come away with two. Number five is I'm also staying on the offensive line, and that's going to be Brandon Scherf. Now, he's not as high on my list as some people on Dolphins Twitter. You know, I, I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, you're talking about a former number five overall pick. He just turned down not two weeks ago, a $13 million per year contract from the Redskins. So that shows what they think of him, and that shows what he thinks of himself too. 
He may have some ability to play tackle, but I think they should keep him in at guard. He's that old-school throwback Iowa type of player. And in terms of playing right guard, you don't have to move uh, anybody else on the offensive line. You don't have to move Michael Dieter if you don't want to. Jesse Davis can play right tackle in that scenario if that's something that's still attractive to them. But Brandon Scherf could cost a lot of money. My my biggest fear with him, even though he's probably a plug-and-play starting right guard, is that he's going to be 29 at the end of his first year with the Dolphins if they sign him in 2020. And he's also had some injury problems here over the last couple of years. He missed two games in 2017. He missed eight games in 2018 with a calf injury. And he actually missed today's game with an ankle injury. So there seemed to be some injuries there. But if he if you can get a 16-game starter for the next two or three years, man, you've got one hell of a guard. Paul, who are the next two on your list? So at number six for me, believe it or not, you just made all my arguments on my behalf. Brandon Scherf was number six for me. And, and all the reasons you stated, it's it's Miami needs to get bigger and meaner up front, and Brandon Scherf has that in spades. I would love to see him on that line. And like you said, allowing Dieter to stay at left guard, I'm fine with that or move to center, depending on what Miami does and free agency in the draft around that. Brandon Scherf would be a beautiful pickup and would be huge in helping, A, get the run game going, and B, keeping Rosen and or Tua or whoever your flavor of choice is for the 2020 draft in an upright position. After Scherf, I've got Miami replacing Rashad Jones with another tackling machine at safety. Miami needs a little bit of help back there. I know they've got some promising young players there that we're keeping an eye on this this season. But you look at the long term of it, we don't know. Von Bell is a player that we do know has that ability, can come in and be everything we wish Rashad Jones was was being on this defense this season. And I love more and more when I watch tape of Von Bell exactly what he brings to the table and how I think he could fit in a Brian Flores defense. Yeah, and when you look at Von yeah, Bell, I mean, Bell. since we're cheating from the beginning, um, uh, he was 11th on my list. So uh, I, I like Von Bell a whole heck of a lot. He's he's 24 years old now and, and playing top-notch defense for the New Orleans Saints. I, I'm a little hesitant to spend a lot of money on a player that's that far off the ball. But, you know, if, if Von Bell, if he plays so well at Ohio State where he's a, a second-round pick, he comes to the Saints, he plays well when he gets on the field in a part-time role, he plays even better when he's in a full-time role, and now we're talking about a 24-year-old player who's going to be 25 next year who has versatility to get down in the box and cover as well. That's a heck of a that's a heck of a player. He won't be cheap, that's for sure. But he, he's he's certainly a star. Uh, number four on my list is Yannick Ngakwe. You know what I like about him is at six two two forty six. Not only does he have you know twenty nine and a half sacks in his first three NFL seasons, but he can also put his hand in the dirt and rush the passer at, at that six two two forty six frame. And he plays the run bigger than his size too. And when you're a pass rusher in this defense, you don't necessarily 
need to be able to drop back in space all the time, but you at least need to have the ability to do it. And I think Ngakwe can at least show that. Um, number three on my list is somebody, Paul, that you're very familiar with. It's going to be Byron Jones, the cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. He made the Pro Bowl last year, his, his first Pro Bowl. And I got to tell you, this is a player that I I wasn't too crazy about coming out of college. And if I'm not mistaken, you really weren't either, even though he went to UConn. But he's a hell of an athlete. 6'1", 199, 4'4", speed, 44 and a half inch, 44 and a half inch vertical, 23, or, or excuse me, 12'3", broad jump coming out of UConn. And I never thought he would quite put that all together, but he certainly has as a Pro Bowl corner for the Cowboys. He's coming off a hip injury this year. He rounded back into form, and luckily, unluckily for the Dolphins, his breakout game was in week three against Miami, where he locked down that side of, side of the field. So him opposite Xavier Howard, even if we're paying the cornerbacks a hell of a lot of money, because Byron Jones is probably going to cost 13, 14, 15 million a year because of his age. He's 26. He'll be 27 next year. But that's a hell of a place to lock down both sides of the field at the cornerback spot. So who comes in next on your list there, Paul? So it's perfect that we're going one, one then two in a row because really the next two on my list are a one-two punch. I'm going to start with Derrick Henry at number four, a guy that I was not high on coming out of the draft. It's absolutely was not high on him. I was not high in his game, and I can own my mistakes. Derrick Henry is not the best receiving threat out of the backfield, though. But there is an electrifying little running back that doesn't have too much tread on the tires that can come in at number three to pair with Derrick Henry and make an absolutely lethal one-two punch coming out of that backfield. And that's Miami's own Kenyon Drake. Resign Drake at number three, sign Derrick Henry at number four, and send the two of them as that one-two punch coming out of that backfield. And holy hell, you're starting to look really fun running behind Brandon Scherf and that revamped offensive line that we're hopefully getting here. Henry would be interesting. I, I don't see the Dolphins spending money on both of them because you're talking about Henry would probably cost if he hit the market eight or nine million a year, and Drake, just based on his talent, is going to be five or six million. I, I'd rather put our resources in a different position there. But Derrick Henry's for I, we both love Kenyon Drake. We've been pounding the table on him for two years. Uh, Derrick Henry is, is interesting if he hits the market because even though he, he he's not a player that has a lot of of uh, pass receiving skills, he, he, he's not the fastest guy. He, more, he has more build-up speed. He's also somebody that on a team that's young like this, that is going to have a young quarterback, you need somebody to absorb those hits and build off the play action. And Derrick Henry could be that guy. So that, that's where it would be very fascinating if, if that were the way the Dolphins went at running back and really their dire direction on offense in general. So we'll, we'll go one at a time here for, for the last two. And the, the second one is, is somebody that people will probably disagree with. And anytime I put his name out there on Twitter, I've, I've immediately got shot down, but I don't care. And that's Jack Conklin, the Texans' right tackle. Or excuse me, the Titans' right tackle, not the Texans. The, so when I take a look at Jack Conklin, 
he has an interesting story. In fact, uh, F Words Pod, who was on our podcast previewing the Titans game here last year, gave me some great insight on him too to, to fill in the blanks, really. So in 2016, he was the eighth overall pick, which we know because we expected them to take Laramie Tunzel. They took Jack Conklin instead in a trade-up. So in 2016, they take Jack Conklin. He's a first-team All-Pro. In 2017, he also has a very good season. And then at the end of the year, in the playoffs against the Patriots, in the middle of January, he tears his ACL. The following year, in 2018, he is rushed back too early in week four. He plays very poorly, and then he gets a concussion later on in the season. So just a disastrous season. So this past year, in May, in 2019, they did not extend a fifth-year offer to him as a former first-round pick, which surprised a lot of people and really dropped his stock. But if they had, then you'd be talking about $13 million a year for Jack Conklin and the Titans after the year. The Titans decided not to do that. They also have a very good player in Dennis Kelly at that offensive tackle position. But anyway, Conklin now looks a lot more like himself, according to F Words Pod. Uh, that was on our podcast. And I don't think this is a special right tackle, but I think he is a top 10 right tackle. And it goes back to my argument with why I wanted to keep Juwan James. If you're talking about a player that can come in here at his age and for the next three to five years play at a high level, then I am all for that. And then you can have Jesse Davis at right guard, Conklin at right tackle, Dieter at left guard. I hope they add another player along the way. But if they can add another left tackle and or center in the draft, that is shaping up to be a very good offensive line. And Conklin would be a big part of that. So, Paul, who came in number two on your list? Well, first off, I'm going to say, you I can't believe you picked Jack Conklin there at number two on your list. But well, Pretty much everybody right. says that. That's okay, because at number two on my list, I went with Tennessee Titans offensive tackle Jack Conklin. and what he could do for Miami's offensive line here. So while I'll have to disagree with you, I think we should go with Jack Conklin of the Titans instead of whoever this Texans offensive tackle is you were talking about with your pick. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, honestly, Jack Conklin comes in and in a big way fixes that gaping hole that, that was left when Juwan James went to the Denver Broncos. It's unfortunate James continued his injury history with the Broncos at this point, which may cost Miami some draft picks, but that's another topic for another show. Jack Conklin comes in and fixes it. And I'm sorry, a torn ACL and a concussion singular are not a reason to avoid an offensive lineman of Jack Conklin's caliber. Yeah, and if it was a debilitating injury for him that was affecting him to this day, then that would be one thing. And a lot of people – tore him apart after the Thursday night football game against the Jaguars, where technically, yes, he let up three sacks against Josh Allen, who may be the best rookie in the league this year. But you watch those three sacks. One of them was a really bad rep by Conklin, and the other two were completely Marcus Mariota's fault, where he basically took the snap and right ran right into the right tackle. So, yeah, I, I think this is a player, too, that if you don't, I, I, I do not want to go into the NFL draft, and the Dolphins should not want to go into the NFL draft 
needing two offensive tackles. And if you don't sign a Jack Conklin, you're going to have to sign a Daryl Williams or a DJ Humphreys, which in my opinion are much, much worse football players. So I'm glad we agree on that, Paul. I'm going to throw it to you for number one. So I just want to say that's truly Mariota doing Mariota-like things that you just described there. And one of the reasons why people are already clamoring for Tannehill in Tennessee at this point. At number one is a player that you're partly right because he was already on your list. Um, Byron Jones, when he came out of Connecticut, he's a, yeah, I'm going to get this out of the way right now. Byron Jones is a great kid. He, he is an awesome kid. And when he came out of Connecticut, I did not like the idea of him at safety. I liked him better at corner. And fortunately, somebody in Dallas figured out that he was not necessarily a Pro Bowl safety, but man, was he a good corner. And they put him at corner, and the rest is history. Byron Jones opposite Xavier Howard improves so many things on this defense, Make automatically elevates the pass rush no matter who's there, even if it's Taco Charlton and Charles Harris, which I don't expect in 2020. And, and really just the, the extra second or two of coverage is a huge difference in allowing your pass rush to get to the quarterback. So if you're, if you're able to sign an Ngukwe, if for some reason Miami has Chase Young fall into their lap, if the Pittsburgh top five pick ends up being, or Pittsburgh draft pick ends up being a top five, like it very well could be, there's realistically a scenario where you suddenly have a dynamic pair of pass rushers and a dynamic pair of corners out there that really start to wreak havoc on opposing offenses. And that's not even counting the rest of the defense. The Dolphins have to find more players to cover and more players to rush the passer. It's as simple as that, because I think when you look at the defensive tackles with Gotcha and Wilkins and the linebackers with Raekwon McMillan, and I know Baker and Aguavion are not having great years, but I think the talent is there. If if the rest figures itself out, if you get some pass rushers, you get some cornerbacks, I think the rest of the defense is going to start to look very good. But those are major, major holes to fill, and Byron Jones would certainly be one of them. So number one on my list is far and away the top guy, and he's probably not on your list because uh, this is not a need for the Dolphins. It, not a need at all. But to me, it's the star player, and he may not hit free agency. It's Chris Jones, the defensive tackle from the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to talk about somebody who has no business being on the free agent market, it's this guy. And the only reason he would hit it in the first place is because the Chiefs may get so paranoid to re-sign Patrick Mahomes that they let him actually hit the market. The odds are of him, the odds are very, it's very likely that they're going to franchise tag Chris Jones and try to trade him off, but there's a possibility they just don't want to mess with it. And when you talk about somebody like this, 20 and a half sacks over the last 23 games, that's not a misprint. He's a 6'6", 315-pound defensive end in a 3-4 defense. He can line up at nose tackle at defensive end. Was just watching the Colts-Chiefs game here, and he left with a small injury. And when he left, the Chiefs front three just got completely blown off the ball. This is somebody who can roll out of bed in the morning 
and play elite football. So if you were to sign Chris Jones and you were to find yourself in a situation, if you're the Dolphins, where you get Chase Young, man, oh, man, what that does to your defensive front for the next three to five years. So these are the kinds of things that we're talking about as we approach the uh, 2020 season, even though we're still in the 2019 season, Paul. Oh yeah, I mean we're 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 somewhat in the 2019 season. Let's let's not kid ourselves. We're 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 in the 2020 preseason already. We just happen to get an extra round of the NFL draft and free agency as part of that. And we need to start looking ahead. The Dolphins are already looking ahead. We need to be looking ahead too. Dolphins fans need to be looking ahead too. Anytime you start feeling like, oh God, what is this horribleness that I'm cheering for? You are cheering for the future right now when you're watching this team. It's I can't sit there and root for them to lose on a Sunday, even though, God, I mean, I want that number one overall pick. But at the same time, the vision for the future, if you start doing mock drafts, even though it's way too early, if you start looking at free agents, even though it's way too early, and you factor in the fact that Miami's going to have probably $150 million, like you pointed out earlier, the fact that they're going to have a ridiculous bounty of draft picks over the next two years. That is where it gets really, really super exciting to be a Dolphins fan right now is knowing that they're charting a course for the long haul that is only going to continue to pay dividends for years to come and what they can build fairly easily with, with this whole process. Um, even with a few bumps along the way, a few players say, hell no, I'm not coming there, i.e. Jadavian Clowney earlier this season. That's fine. You get players that buy in, it's going to be even better. Yeah, the next two years as far as free agent shows and NFL draft shows are going to be a blast. And we're going to be here every step of the way for that. And that's going to do it for our breakdown of a sneak peek of the my of the 2020 unrestricted free agent market, you're listening to Paul and Cat on the Fin side. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side. Solo D, take us out. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the Fin side. Fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.